Hello everyone, I'm Jen and welcome to another episode of Monogamish Pod. On this week's episode, I'll be talking to Wombly Chea, who is an Ogallala Lakota bisexual polyamorous man. Wombly's also a musician who goes by the name Juke, and he explores polyamory in those works as well. Check out my interview with Wombly, and you can see this video also up on our YouTube page. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monogamish Pod, a podcast where I talk about things important about non-monogamy and polyamory. I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I have people who kind of tell me about themselves and about what they do to make me feel better. And the theme for season three is going deeper. So I'm bringing in a whole new set of people, some people you've heard of before, some people you haven't, to talk about their experiences in polyamory and non-monogamy and certain niche topics that I will be diving into. So today I have Wombly with me. Wombly is Ogallala Lakota. I hope I said that correctly. And so we're talking about polyamory and non-monogamy and their music because they are also a musician, which I also am not. So we're going to probably dive in a bit deeper into that. So uh, Wombly, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Thank you so much for having me. I, I It's kind of really awesome to ever have the opportunities to be able to, you know, discuss polyamory and that experience especially from an indigenous lens like that that, and be able to just represent that I feel like that's there's never really enough of it sometimes you know inevitably I feel like with the world that we live in it's kind of hard to have that representation so I'm happy that I get the opportunity to do that especially through my artistry so on and so forth so happy to be here yes of course absolutely so why don't you tell the people a little bit about you you know ASL, like how we do it in the older days. <laughs> like you said, my name is Wombly. Uh, my Lakota name is Wombly Chea, which means crying eagle in my Lakota language. And as a singer-songwriter, I go by Juke, uppercase J-U-Q. I am an Ogallala Lakota singer-songwriter based on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. And yeah, <laughs> I'm openly bi and polyamorous. And as well, I you know, incorporate a story that is based on my journey of not only reconnecting to my Lakota Chilkan or my Lakota culture, but at the same time, my journey of learning to accept basically who I was and who I've always been. But, you know, everyone goes through, especially being in a cishet, mononormative, white patriarchy, everybody goes through these same journeys. It's damn near tired what makes my situation unique is just the fact that I'm indigenous and the fact that I realized I was poly as well aside from just being bi and and other stuff around gender and whatnot so and you know through my artistry through the Ogallala Wolf Puppy with PTSD I, I kind of just lay out all these different things and and you know kind of I guess, I don't know how to describe it, but I put them in chapters, you know, Tempo, Nia, Yami, Axel. Those are my, the first four chapters that are all out on all streaming platforms now. And it's a, it's a trip. (laughs) I think anybody that fully dives in, there's a lot, there's a lot there to unpack throughout, you know, everything that's been put out. And obviously the biggest thing right now is, you know, my latest projects, both Yami and Axel because they're sort of both direct showcases of, I guess, how I experience our Indigenous women, our Indigenous men, how I you know, experience both of those demographics as a whole. And it was kind of just my opportunity to be so open and free. And, and that's sort of, you know, where I'm at now, where I get to 
be represented or be on, <laughs> you know, on, on productions or whatever that, yeah. you know, give me the opportunity to just be myself. And so it's, you know, it's been a quite a journey. Nonetheless, this has been probably consistent for the last five years. And now I'm just seeing probably the mm-hmm. biggest kind of uptick and it's, it's powerful. It really, really is. And seeing a lot more people become so understanding and open and like, I don't know. It's like you, you you articulate things in a way and people will see it. You know what I mean? It's like inevitably, no matter yeah. if they're anti or not, like, you know, it, it's like I, I, at the end of the day, I want people to know and I want, especially the youth coming up to know, to have those tools to be yeah. educated and to be able to, you know, possibly know themselves if they're the same way as me. You know, I, I wish I would have had healthy representation growing up for me to really understand that stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, healthy representation is a thing that I think a lot of people lacked growing up, you know, coming to terms with sexuality, with gender, with all the roles that society has put on us, for sure. So I'm going to take it back to the beginning with you. We're going to we're going to start at the start. Okay, so you said you live on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Mm -hmm. Dakota. I've never been to South Dakota. Is it pretty? That's, that's probably my first. It's a useless question, but I just want to know. Is it pretty yeah, there? You know, the thing about, you know, like I said, obviously, anybody that could look into in regards to what has taken place with indigenous people, it's all on Google. You can do that. You know, I don't have to detail in regards to that. But in pertinence to like South Dakota and, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of how things went down and now we we're on these reservations, even, you know, the reservations are still beautiful especially in proximity to the black hills you know that's where majority of this stuff really was like a dilemma with you know with the black hills and the gold so on and so forth you know but all in all it's like the only thing that makes south dakota so obviously like frustrating to be in is mostly white republican demographic here that was pretty much the that's really it otherwise it's amazing because i have my people here i still have my culture and language so prominently here and it's you know it's it's that's the piece of it all and but at the same time we live you know we're only getting to a certain point you know because we've had enough of our own people like speak up otherwise south dakota has been very detrimental to my indigenous people you know even to black people even to obviously lgbtq plus and women Anybody, anybody, anybody who's here fully knows the scope of how toxic this place really can be in too many different ways. But otherwise, the land, you know, there's a lot of gorgeous. My people are here. There are still really good people here. And it's very, very, it's, it's very small, obviously. It's very rural. It's not, we don't even have population-wise, I think, a million people in the state. So we're, we're still, we're, it's oh, literally wow. just a giant small town. Yeah, okay. I- I can see that. All right. So you're born and raised in South Dakota. Have you ever lived anywhere else? Well, with my situation, it was a bit more different. I I came back about five years ago. And so I basically grew up in this small town in Iowa, humble. And so I, once again, that's the same kind of dynamic, even more so just less native, less of my people, obviously. There's only the Meskwaki people over in like the southeast side of Iowa. Other than that, I was basically mm-hmm. kind of, it was peak assimilation. I was really assimilated yeah. out of my culture. And it's because my mom, that's because my mom was. My mom and my aunt, they were adopted out when they were about six months old, but they reconnected later in life, which is kind of why I 
mm-hmm. you know, know so much of my family here, obviously now more than ever, but even before then I knew a lot of my relatives and stuff like that. And I always heard sort of the same old kind of like anti-Indigenous rhetoric in regards to my own community, where you just, everything's always shaming of our own, you know, people, shaming of everything that goes on here, which is all due to systemic issues, really. And so it's like, I kind of always grew up with these these mindsets of like, I don't know, it was like, I felt like I just was, yeah, I was just completely detached. And then until... I kind of got this motivation to get back here about five years ago because I was working with an independent label at the time that was based in Rapid City. I just kind of felt like it was became this opportunity of do music and reconnect to who I am. <laughs> so I, it was, you know, mm-hmm. it became a thing five years ago when I finally made that leap. And, you know, now I'm here. <laughs> now I'm in a completely different space, not working with that label, not working with a few different other people, and now kind of fully in my own space. And that ultimately also ended up you know, leading me to accept that I was bi and polyamorous, you know, I, it's kind of weird when sometimes like we're never fully aware of like the impact of like the situations we're dealing with and even how things are happening to us, you know, specifically on a systemic level, you know, I, I feel like I became more increasingly aware of like how much I was being constantly shamed out of everything about me, you know, even when I yeah. wasn't fully, you know, even when, I think that people were presenting themselves left and right. And I didn't really know how to like process it or think of it, you know, as like, oh, maybe people are picking up on everything about me. You know, some people like, like there are people who knew that I was polyamorous before I ever came out, which is such a strange (laughs) response. Like, it's such a strange thing. Like some people can pick up on that more than anything. And like I said, I also kind of deal with stuff around my gender as well. And that's the same thing where people can kind of pick up on that. I, I, can feel like both simultaneously sometimes and so it's like Mm -hmm. it's so crazy when sometimes people see you before you like fully see yourself and then now you're just you're just embracing everything (laughs) yeah no I think it's it's one of those things where we call like a glass closet right Mm -hmm. (laughs) where it's like there are people who they Mm -hmm. haven't accepted that they are queer and everybody else around them knows and (laughs) everyone else around them knows and it's just kind of like when you when you finally accept yourself, you're finally there. You're kind of like, hey guys, I'm this, and they're like, okay, thanks for telling us. Oh, thank you, you thank you for, for confirming cool. probably what we assumed in some capacity. And I just thought it was so funny because it was just like, I don't, you know what I mean? It, it's like now more than ever, it was like, well, thank you. And I was like, thank you for <laughs> like that's so flattering that you thought I was like bi and thought I was poly. Like you guys already knew that, so it's cool, I guess. Yeah. Like, and it, that's the thing that I end up kind of like dealing with. I think that could just come with the fact that I am physically a man in a nutshell. It's like, there's a whole different attitude towards me because the hardest thing, and I know that any, if any of my natives listen to this is that Indian country still has a complicated anti LGBT problem. And that just comes from the boarding schools. Mm -hmm. It comes from a lot of generational trauma. It has nothing to do with our cultures and languages. And it's, it's really heartbreaking, you know, cause I have dealt it, yeah. that with it personally pretty heavy at the same time, but it's like also at the same time, there's such a large movement for it than ever now. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of the people that are even still, you know, anti LGBT are just now on the low with it. Cause they don't want to blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? In the yeah. climate that we're in, it's just such a different, you know, but it's now like gives me the space in that room to be more authentic to myself than I've ever been before, which is really, really awesome. But at the same time, I think that I end up dealing with that weird sense of privilege because I can still pass 
in that sense to in in mm-hmm. basically pass the cis hat mononormative white patriarchy because I can still identify as a man and I can still I can yeah. I still like women and you know what I mean like oh I like you know within the story the whole thing that I kind of decided to focus on was like I wanted to give people polyamorous representation to a T like I wanted to go like okay what would be the craziest I guess relationship circumstances because I've had my own things but never to like what is you know I guess articulated in the story which is the three wifeys and a hubby dynamic which was like the kind of concept mm-hmm. of the yeah basically literally this uh, the first four projects were kind of like the three wifeys in a hubby area era because in the story tempo nia yamni axel are yeah the first three are the wifeys and then the hubby and i wanted yeah. to really art like really relay the kind of nuance that comes with that and how even how those polycules can be so unique and different and everybody's situations can be so unique and I was just like, no, let's just go wild with it. Let's just freaking, I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, these people are going to be anti-poly in some capacity. So I'm just going to fully crank it up <laughs> to like 100. And yeah. I want people to really feel it for what it is. You know, I want people to really understand. One thing that I think, you know, coming out as poly, like it made me inevitably become more in touch with like my Lakota culture's matrilineal contingency. Because I feel like in polyamory, everything, in any capacity, I guess, unless you're like in a situation with all men, everything is always like kind of based around women and everything that they have to say. You know what yes. I mean? You know I was just so, thinking about that. Like women have the first and foremost, like so much. And it's like, that's my like mindset. It's like the thing that I've dealt with in my past, because, you know, like I said, I've had my dynamics. It's like women who were just absolutely shamed out of everything. You know what I mean? It's like, like I said, you know, from the generational trauma, that is pretty bad in my community. It's like there's a lot of women who will, you know, they're, they're going to deal with the same contingency, but they'll be more prone to, like, I guess, accept themselves because we still do have those certain attitudes that, oh, we expect women to do this, this, and this. They have the emotional capacity to do this, this, even though men can have that too. It's like they can also, it's not, it's not just a, a like, oh, women are just more emotional. It's like kind of, but not really. Like, it's like, I don't know. It's, like, it's, yeah. just, it's illogical in every way, shape or form. But it's like, that's been my kind of biggest cadence. It's like, you know, I wanted to just have something that was completely raw and real before I give everybody this huge debut album next year. And they feel, you know, then they yeah. get even more at like, you know, because I have big, huge plans and I want to really secure that as this thing. But I, I fully wanted people to feel everything that can be in polyamory. You know, there can be very sexual situations. There can be non-sexual situations. And and I'm just articulating, hey, I'm, I'm used to all of that. I'm used to all this nuance. And relationships mm-hmm. can look like really almost anything. And love can almost look like anything. And I feel like being able to do that and even have this like kind of level of like push and recognition through, you know, I don't know if you had heard of him yet, but you know, just recently I got like a big massive push through TikTok by my friend Modern Warrior. Yeah. And um, it was just like, he was, he was really incredible. He used my song star, which just got an animated music video, which really showcases the, the dynamic with like the three wifeys in the story and it's just mm-hmm. so beautiful. And what I, what Modern Warrior did too, because he has about, I think now he's almost 2 million followers on TikTok, which is insane. Yeah. 
I'm one of them. So I, I know exactly who you are. I am, I am like a low key part of, you know, watching native mm-hmm. talk as, as mm-hmm. we call it. I'm, I'm, I like to be aware of different cultures, especially of people, you know, that live in the same place mm-hmm. that I do. Right, right. So right. it's like, I live in the United States. This is mm-hmm. not my land. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to know what people who originally are from exactly, here Exactly, exactly. And that's why it was so cool to really feel that sense of validation. And then I was in Indian country today and I was like even featured on my local t- news TV station, as well as the one of the main radio stations around here, which is just incredible i don't like you know what i mean it's a, it's such a validated contingency to be able to be representation for something that was aggressively you know basically written off as like nothing you know what i mean all the representation i ever saw yeah. for polyamory was ugh, i hated those youtube videos did you ever see those videos where it was like you know like a, a generic uh a guy and two girls kind of dynamic whatever and it's always like Two of those people seem like they're way more into each other than the other person. You know what I mean? Like the women are, though that kind of like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. so ugly. Because I've never felt that. I've never experienced that in my life. It was just usually whatever, like some things ended, you know, things end. But I've never seen a, like, I've never seen that in real, like how, like, who did they get these for these, like, who did they get for these projects? Because I've never, I don't see those dynamics ever. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I think it's so goofy and just toxic. Like, it's so ugly. It, it is. It's interesting because you never see those dynamics and sometimes that's all I see. But that's also, I think, a lot to do with the kind of people who show up in online spaces for polyamory and nominality, right. right? So I can just say that there's so much patriarchy and heteronormatism still baked into the idea of polyamory in this, you know, U.S. context. I'll even just talk specifically about in the United States. Let's not talk about in Jamaica, where I'm from, just Mm -hmm. here, right? And so I've recently joined some polyamorous Facebook groups in the pandemic because it was something I was always planning to do. And then I was like, oh, well, let me just Mm -hmm. do the thing. So I did the thing and it was like, oh, okay. So this is the same thing (laughs) with a a different thing over it. And I recently had a conversation with one of my very good close polyamorous friends about how hierarchy presents itself we talked about you know patriarch and how that shows up and how a lot of coupled people you know married nested whatever are just seeking someone for enjoyment and not actually looking to build partnerships mm-hmm. and like that was coming out so much in our conversation where it was like oh do you have negative stories because we, we all have those if you've ever been in a situation where it's kind of a triad but mm-hmm. not really you know, like you either you're the odd one mm-hmm. out on the end. You're just kind of like the toy. They 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 take you out when they want to play with you, and then they put you back mm-hmm. when they're done, with no concern for you. And it's kind of I think that's a lot of people's as a single person start into non-monogamy is a situation mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so watching those kinds of things, hella triggering for me. There was a show, Polyamory Married and Dating, it had Kamala Devi. She's a pretty big poly influencer in a certain mm-hmm. space, and there was this one particular union. I remember this vividly. The wife was a dancer. The husband owned mm-hmm. a gym and their girlfriend worked at the gym as the receptionist slash office manager. And so the wife would be out and she would be like teaching classes, whatever. And the husband and the girlfriend would just be mm-hmm. home or, you know, relaxing in the pool, walking the dog, making dinner, 
So the wife was the odd one out in the relationship because she had a whole separate job outside of them and a whole separate life outside mm. of them. And they made her feel so bad. <laughs> like they would just be like, oh yeah. She's like, oh, I'm going to make dinner. Do you guys want anything? Oh no, we already ate. Like just even little things like mm-hmm. that. No sense of community between the three of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she eventually went on to cheat on them and it was a whole thing but i was like do you blame her you're making her feel like a stranger in her own house (laughs) like she feels Mm -hmm, nothing mm -hmm. but yeah this is this is just to say this is the shit i see on tv as well (laughs) and see i've seen in real life Mm -hmm. as well so just to to frame that as a yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and so it's like i feel like i wanted obviously inevitably to give away something that is just completely the opposite of that you know it's like at the end of the day I, I honestly, it's like, it's like the hardest part too, is that like, if it wouldn't be necessarily as bad, if that wasn't the only representation you were giving us, like if it wasn't the only yes. thing and it's like, that's only cause you're trying to bastardize this whole entire thing. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to try to articulate this in a cadence where, oh, this could be beautiful. This doesn't have to be this, this ugly, heartbreaking, messed up, goofy process, whatever, like how it's always portrayed. It doesn't. It can actually be something very, very magical. And it's like, that was how I even discovered my own personal cadences of how I prefer things. Because it's like, within the context of the story, like that's what I feel like, you know, when it comes to women, I feel like I do really, really love when things are like a triad or a quad when it comes to women. I feel more at peace and kind of comfortable. It was was kind of like when I I had it, you know, because I was in a triad, it was, it was just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It felt like anything to have more of the divine feminine kind of in my world, in my life is always something that is just <laughs> preferred and nice. And, and ultimately, yeah. you know, I think that I, I, you know what I mean? It's like, I see, I see a lot of different times where it can be of benefit, obviously. I mean, in, in the context of the world we live in today, it's like being able to have more people involved in the dynamic. Obviously there's more money there. There's more, everything there's a lot of like actual yeah. even context that i've talked to even to relatives around here about it you know what i mean because well i mean like i said i the reason why i feel like it can be so i guess defiant and open about who i am is because i come from a culture and language that already fully accepted lgbtq plus and non-monogamy and polyamory so much so into the to the degree that women had you know, women, like I said, like under my culture, it was like women actually had like full autonomy in this cadence. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was pretty common for, especially, I guess, maybe certain, like the most desirable, desirable women, whatever, to like have like multiple suitors. It was kind of like a thing for her to end up possibly having multiple husbands. Unless and it was circumstances for men, it was more common for them if they were more so of wealth in our communities, like if they were like a chief or a medicine man. And those were just like significant societal roles for our people. That was normally the more common Mm -hmm. circumstances where you would probably see them having a second wife. And it was more so because of just of what those men were. And it was not this like, objectification of a woman or women it was the just societal roles this man has a lot to tend to and then and that women are there to be at least the roles that were given in those times were you know they were tending to the homes yeah. you know setting up the tvs doing yeah. all that hard work, really hard yeah. work that that you know it's it, and that's even more so like because like a lot of the things that even in my own culture gender roles so on and so forth they, there's a sense of fluidity there too women could do the things that men were normally doing or men could be doing the things that women were normally doing, et cetera. 
down to whatever else, you know? And so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, now we live in a whole different paradigm now because of literal trauma from the massacres, the boarding schools, so on and so forth. The, the peak, we were, yeah. we were getting hit with it, you know, just as we are today, we were getting under this social infrastructure, we're getting hit hard, like harder, obviously, than, than white people, even though they can still deal with it too. And so it's like, now I saw it more than ever to be like, I kind of have to be defiant and like speak against, you know what I mean? Like be someone that speaks out against it, yeah. brings representation to it, you know? And it's a big thing. I have not gotten over Lil Nas X dropping Montero. I have not gotten over the music video. I haven't gotten over that song. It's like, no. Yeah. Because uh, literally it is so vivid. Like I honestly create this, like <laughs> every single time I create this, like, how do I want to describe it? Uh, kind of like a Mockingjay kind of situation where it's like me, the, the three wifeys and yeah. the hubby are like these chosen Avengers fighting against against this imperial yeah. genocidal society against everything. And it becomes this like big thing. And I was literally like imagining it to that song. And then now I'm like, I'm going to have that for, I'm going to, whenever I get to this debut and start producing more for it, I'm like, I'm going to really come up with a crazy, crazy visual, whether it's live or if I just do animation again, which I really, really do love doing. And I was like, yeah, because I, I want people to deal with that. I was like, it's another part where I was like, no, like, I want y'all to deal with that. Like, probably the most beautiful relationship that this world has ever seen is a polyamorous one. Like that, I want. I feel like that's so yeah. divine in its own essence, and I fully want to like give that. Just in opposition, when you create this sort of oppressive social environment and these sort of regular toxic issues that we see, these toxic relationship tropes perpetuated constantly through every visual and how it hits our lives respectively and how obviously how ugly the mindset around non-monogamy and polyamory is it's like of course it's gonna you know you're gonna talk like this you're gonna expect the people that like you're hurting it through this you know what I mean like to snap out of it and come harder I was like you know because I at the end of the day it's it's one thing to deal with like you know you're already dealing with, I guess, when you're LGBTQ plus, you just end up dealing with the on the low people. And then it's the same thing with polyamory, yep. the same thing with non-monogamy. I, especially with women, primarily, obviously, once again, just mm-hmm. indigenous misogyny repackaged is great, <laughs> you know? And I know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's like, but then like, <laughs> it's with, you know, I, it's something that I've had to deal with, like, like retrospectively, especially in regards to, gender because I feel like a lot of the times like I'll just end up involved with like men that are almost like literally straight (laughs) and it's like kind of the weirdest Mm -hmm. the weirdest funniest kind of like you know because whether they're closeted by or whether they're just attracted to that femininity which I've seen a lot of men kind of that's the really thing that men get like a lot of get themselves screwed over with (laughs) at least in their heads you know because it's like even in my own culture, like that's how things kind of were like, whether you were a cis woman, like a trans woman or, or just a a femme presenting being, you were kind of considered to be like wifey material and like desirable. Like it, it like our, like our men didn't think too much, didn't look too much into it. So it was kind of like, yeah, it's such a crazy thing to have to go from like what our social infrastructures were and how, 
warm and loving that we were to just how vile and like cold things can kind of like can can be in general regardless of who you are but then even more specifically when you come from these demographics you know and yeah. that's how I always look at it you know we grew up in a world that was always so aggressively anti-indigenous anti-black and that was like only anti-woman anti-lgbtq plus anti-nominogamy polyamory because they didn't want us to like retake back who we are they don't want me to, they don't want us. You know. Yeah. And it's like, I've even, you know, especially because of TikTok, <laughs> especially because of just various, like, I hear the same things in regards to like the real, like authentic cultures and for black people in Africa to everywhere else. None of them were really ever anti-LGBT. Some of them were, I remember hearing about one specifically where they didn't even like gender really anybody until they were about like seven or eight where they were like where there was more of that realization of who they specifically were yeah that's how vulnerable or sensitive like you were just basically a genderless baby for a certain amount of like and I think that once again it's like that's the same cadence it's like the the whole mechanism and everything that's here it was just designed like it's hard I I think it gets to a certain point there's been a few moments where I feel like you know, it's like, dang, they really did kind of commodify every single freaking thing. Like they commodified love and relationships and monogamy and the nuclear, you know, family, having kids. Everything is a result of a, you know, a very messed up social infrastructure that is funded by capitalism as a whole. And, and now we're, you know, now we're, you know, we're like in the end of it. We're in the we're in late stage capitalism. Yeah. We're, we're watching beyond insanity going on because of because of greed because of power because of you know wherever this whatever whatever capacity and it's happened everywhere and I think that's kind of like the thing that I feel like I've been trying to get into a mindset of like how can I tell this story how can I be my authentic self and avidly be a part of changing this stuff and that was a lot of what the Ogallala Wolf Puppy was and then you know, as things progressed and I just really understood myself and now it's like, wow, this is becoming a lot more powerful than I think I could have ever imagined. Yeah. That's what I think is so, it's exciting, but it's also just like overwhelming because then it feels like I, you know, going back to the Montero song, there was that little line where he's like, now I can't leave. <laughs> and now I'm yeah. he's just like, kind of like, it's like, I feel like I'm thrust into a position now that like, I can't go back. I mean, I don't want to, obviously. I don't want to go back from, being very sincere and being like authentic and, and, and honoring everything that I want to do and everything that I am and, and what my vision upholds, because I think inevitably what the end result is something so much more powerful, you know? And I think all of it really does have to do with the fact that, you know, I have to be able to show people, I guess that nuance that love is always come in so many different forms. And the sooner we can kind of yes. get back to that embrace and that, warmth like truthfully we're gonna see a lot of things heal and then we're gonna see a lot of things dramatically change amongst just everyday people you know and that's what i'm looking forward to i think inevitably is like it will get so much better for like future generations as a whole but it just depends on what we do now inevitably yeah we shape those things absolutely shape a healthier world you know that has so that people can have the opportunity to just be everything they are and love the way they love and all of that nuance, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of it also is like that sense of community that we used to have back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, pre-capitalism, the way it exists in the structure now. Mm-hmm. It's it's not present anymore. I mean, I have had a conversation running for the past several weeks amongst friends and people that I know. It's like, okay, you know, if you feel romantic love, what does that look like? And how does that differ from any other intimate relationship you have? What is the thing that makes that different? And a lot of people are just like, well, yeah, you know, like we have sex. And I was, okay, I mean, but that's sex. What what else is it? Like, what is the difference between the relationship you have with your romantic partner and what you have with your best friend? And I use best friend very specifically because that would be like the closest non-sexual relationship that you mm-hmm. have, right? Like, what's the difference? Is sex is the only difference? In which case, then why aren't we valuing those platonic connections at the same level that we are valuing these so-called romantic connections. The only thing different is that our genitals aren't Mm -hmm. touching. Then what, and of course that also excludes aromantic people and asexual people, because then it implies that they can't have true meaningful connections without Mm -hmm. sex or without romance. And it's like, it's, it's this weird structure that we all live in. And of course it's all connected. Thank you. Oppression. Mm -hmm. My favorite, (laughs) you know, that. And so I think it's, it's so interesting that you talk about that and how, the original culture was in the original set how we all interacted with each other and how your culture interacted with each other. So I want to take it back a little bit to what was the first non-monogamous relationship that you had? Hmm. So this was uh, more so obviously how, you know, the timeline that we were talking about, you know, I hadn't even fully entertained anything along these lines prior to coming back here. You know, I, we're literally right when I mm-hmm. turned 21 is basically when I got out here. And so that was that. And it was more so probably, I think a couple years in, you know, it, it, cause I have a very interesting time when it comes to love. And I think a lot of times in regards to my own music, I think that I can try to sort of gloss things up in a lot of different ways, as opposed to like acknowledging some of the cruddy stuff that kind of took place before I fully came out and fully understood everything but it was probably I was like when was it exactly it was I think it was before just before I had released my first like project and everything I had met a girl and she was really sweet I've had this weird trend in my life and it's something that I I have never quite understood and it's my relationship with bi women as a whole Okay. They somehow always manage to find their ways into my life. <laughs> like no matter what, no fans or buts. And they always happen yeah. to be pretty open to a lot of different things. And like, you know, obviously in the ramification of just the casual thing, I was like, let's try something fun. And we kind of met a, another, another girl through a mutual friend of ours and it was initially just going to be this like, okay, we had just kind of agreed it was going to be fun or whatever. It wasn't like we were trying to entertain, like, let's try to do this. So like, I had no, I literally already deleted that whole entire construct of polyamory, but it just kind of became a thing where we just were, con- we became like, we wanted to make it a thing in general. Like it just, we were more around each other. And so it just, it, it just kind of happened. <laughs> it just kind of happened. It was, it was, yeah. and it was just like kind of insane. Cause it, it was just, the hardest thing in the world, I think, obviously, like, you know, it's th- that realm of, like, dealing with biphobia as a man, where it's obviously, once again, it's like, oh, you're just gay. You're not really into women, blah, blah, blah. That yeah. that crap. And so 
I feel like there were a lot of instances where I felt like I was really just vulnerable or very sensitive when it came to women. I'm very, like, I'm very sensitive to men as well, but I'm like way more sensitive to women. And that has a lot to do with, you know, having my mother where she's, you know, her emotional issues, her drinking issues, et cetera. And so when I had actually fully, you know, experienced this, it was just kind of like, I don't know, I felt a lot safer and then I ever really did before it, but then yeah. it, it's, it just felt more akin to, you know, it just felt like real. I felt like, oh, this is, and it's just, it's so weird to try to process that from the mentality of just being physically a man, because I feel like, is this just me being a man that would obviously like to have two women? Or is it just like, is this just my comfort zone? Is this just really, mm-hmm. is this really where I fit more? Because I'm not sitting here trying to constantly like, be involved in every, like, I'm not the type of weird messed up dude that would be like, oh, we have to make sure it's like us and like we're talking and that, or like, because uh, I had seen all kinds of crap, even through whatever, because <laughs> just you know, the amount of yeah. stupid people that try out polyamory. Mainly, just being real, the white ones, mainly the white poly people. They're usually the ones who are doing yeah. the worst of it. <laughs> like, I'm going to be real. Never not came across that. <laughs> and so, like, it was just like, God damn. I was like, okay. Like, cause my main thing is like, you know, after seeing inevitably what I had experienced growing up from just the overall environment of it all with my, the women in my life, you know, my grandparent, my grandma and my mom and my aunt and, and seeing a lot of the turmoil and the pain they had dealt with, like being in a world that was so aggressively, even more aggressively misogynistic during their, you know, younger stuff. You yeah. Know? It was like, I was the type where I, I couldn't help but see that, you know what I mean? I couldn't help but see everything they were feeling and going through. And, and I knew no matter what, like, that's what I was going to do when it came to like women as a whole. But I, it's like, when you know your feelings, you just kind of bat things back. It's like, Oh, come on. That's not like real. There's a, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't, this whole yeah. thing isn't like, it was, and I think I was even during this time because it went for a few months, our relationship. And it wasn't, we didn't end badly or anything like that. But it was like, I feel like we couldn't even believe it for a second ourselves either. Like, it, it's that constant, like, doubting yeah. of our own feelings all the time, even if something's working. And it's like, yes. It's, it's yes. And that's like, I, it's just, it's, it, it's internalized. It really is. And no one ever thinks that that could ever be there, that anti polyamory. It's like, no, it is there. I promise. Like, <laughs> I've experienced it. I literally kind of lost out on something that I'm not like, whatever just devastated by or anything it just gave me that insight you know this this particular situation that eventually a few years later I was finally able to come to terms with it and really just accept that that like I I will have to deal with these sort of complicated things it would be so nice to like be in a cadence where somehow I just meet all of these women at a a certain place where I meet this guy too and then we all just decide right then and there we're gonna do it I'm like that's not usually how it works it usually is it's like that's not like that'd be cool I guess but like like it's it's usually it is just a case-by-case situation as you meet new people or whatever you're personally looking for in regards to your love life and so on and so forth It, it it is a process you, you, you know, you actually have to form these real sincere relationships and let things build up as they go along. And yeah, I think that as far as I'm concerned, I mean, depending on how certain people are when it comes to sex, so on and so forth, that a lot of times I think a lot of, I, 
as far as I'm concerned, a lot of these situations benefit from just dating, not like trying with the, with the ex- expectation of sex or anything, like strictly just getting to know yeah. people because I, and I think that that's been a big thing for me too. It's like, I've never felt like I, I'm a sexual being as well. Obviously, if you listen to Yamni or Axel, you'll definitely feel how, <laughs> how much of a sexual being I can be. But it's like, at the same time, I, I've just, I've never prioritized love and I've never prioritized just having people that truly click, you know, more than like, yeah. than now, obviously, where now it's like, okay, I feel like now I just feel more like sincere. I feel like this is it. Like this is boom, boom, boom. I feel like even if I, it's like, you know, when it comes to the people that want to get mad about labels, et cetera, you know, that I'm just, it's another thing, et cetera. I remember seeing somebody say something along the lines of like, why don't you, it was, oh yeah, it was when that Indian Country Today article came out and the guy who wrote the article opted to use like polyamorous, a part of the title. So it was like polyamorous Ogallala Lakota artist gets a TikTok boost. That's what it said. And uh, obviously that's a, that's like a, that's going to get a response. That's very much going to get a response. I'm like, oh. yeah. That's an attention-grabbing yeah, headline on exactly, purpose. For exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, there's going to be a, well, like the thing that that was a big moment in that stuff. Because for one, it was flattering as hell <laughs> in the sense of like that there were so many um, other incredibly, you know, other articles about other big, big things going on in Indian country. But mine, in regards to all the TikTok stuff and my animated music video and these projects like was one of the their best performing articles period which was insane to me i was like oh my god that makes that's so cool that's so sweet but oh my god it was just there were there were like i said there were a few there there was mostly supportive which made me very very happy there was a lot of people who actually came in support a lot of elders even that stuck up in regards to me and which was really sweet but there were some people that were just like like they were kind of whining about why would you include polyamorous in regards to like my identity why wouldn't you just say you're single because that's basically like that's not because i'm not i mean like i if you want to play with the technicality i guess i kind of am like because i mean yeah because i'm not saturated so i'm (laughs) single because i'm open but like like oh my god like these are still committed relationships whether you want to deal with it fully or not it was like you know, and I, I mean, and that's the worst part too, is that I, I feel like there, it's just a whole different, it's a whole different ballpark. It's like, oh, you're not even just, you're not just bi anymore. Now you're poly. And then I'm all this like, I was like, it's, it's just such a, it's so interesting to me how people can have, it's like, you just never really know what's fully there until you feel it. You know, one person commented, why include polyamory in the thing? And then somebody literally, it was just some person, I mean, they said he likes VD. He likes venereal disease. I'm like, <laughs> like I mean, come on. And I think these, I those sayings are so antiquated because, like, poly people for the most part are always the ones getting tested. Yeah, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, like, we know, we know, we will run that risk for solely because we're we're gonna meet new people. We're gonna have more new. Of course, we're gonna like make sure people, like anyone we get involved with, is healthy or that we're healthy and like more than anything, like anyone with half a freaking brain would be doing that, like. 
you should be doing that in general, regardless of your dynamics. I'm like, I'm sorry, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if you are in a monogamous partnership, there's that expectation that nothing can ever happen. And it's not that mm -hmm. simple because there are some STIs that you don't have any symptoms until mm -hmm. you do. Like, you know, if you have HPV, you don't know you have it until you right. do. Same thing with herpes. You do not know you have it until you do. It doesn't mean that your current partner gave it to you or that anyone just, these are just things that I feel like people, do, I'm going to do a whole episode about STIs, by the way, and polyamory. This is just upsetting to me at levels all the time. But there's that expectation that's like, oh, you're dirty, especially like when you're queer, you're queer, you're poly, oh, you're dirty. Like, this is what you get. Like, if you have. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's not, that's not how I think about it. I'm not dirty. Thank you. So I just happen to have. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a natural thing that can happen in regards to sex, no matter what sex you have. Like, I don't know. It's like it, it, that the whole entire dynamic just has to like, it's not proper and it's not real to like human beings and people and, and interactions. Like, cause it's, it's bound to be there. All you can do is protect yourself the best you can, obviously use protection, be aware of people where what's people's statuses are they you know i mean it's like and getting rid of the whole dirty the yeah. dirty clean crap that that dialogue around it exactly I mean, it's just ugly it's like no but yeah i mean it's it's a definitely it's a still a whole another cadence for people to have that understanding or in, in regards to the real like the real authentic nuance to polyamory and non-monogamy it's you to even get to that point to like really not see polyamory as this thing that you just do but this thing that actually is is no matter what whether you choose to acknowledge that you're polyamorous or non-monogamous or not like it's your feelings it's the thing it's these things that you inevitably know deep down if like if i was to get into a monogamous situation right now whether it's a woman or a man or or you know any non-binary whatever it was like i know i will be essentially half a person like i'm not like i'm not going to be real you know yeah a, a major part of me even learning to accept that i was bi was just the internal acceptance that what i want when it comes to women or what i want when it comes to ma a man it's like these are so prevalent you know it's like why why do i why am i forced against my will to only experience one of those things why what, what's the point of that yeah. you know what i mean it's like what was the reason yeah. like cardi b what was the reason <laughs> exactly exactly and it's like what what's the you know what i mean it's like especially in the realms of like well like if i meet people that are perfectly fine with them then what's still the qualm what's really the qualm it's because it's not because it's not monogamous because it's not the the preferred, the the thing that we've rammed down your throats through all forms of media constantly over and over and over again. It's not what we rehearsed for you. And it's because of that, like, you know, like, like I said, it's like, I mean, even in Yomni or even in Axel, there's me, a lot of me just kind of bashing monogamy just in general, like just being like, eh, I think it's basic. I think it's boring, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, reality, my only real qualms is the social institution as a whole around monogamy and mononormativity. Yeah. That is my only real beef is just the institution in general, you know, every part of whatever, you know, every part of how they've just bastardized love. And, and, and that's what yeah. I'm really coming for when it comes to my artistry, but it's like trying to get that through people's 
like heads and their mindsets. It's like, I don't really know how to describe it. It's like, cause I feel like, I, I mean, it's like there, it, it is oppression. It is a thing. Like it is like, there is a lot of really horrible attitudes towards, especially, you know, women in LGBTQ plus that are polyamorous or realize they're polyamorous or non-monogamous. But it's like, at the same time, it just, it kind of, it feels like you're not going to get this cut dry kind of like, you know, like homophobia. It's not this cut and dry. It's so weird. Like, I feel like some people are more prone to yeah. the understanding of it, but then at the same time, not at all. <laughs> like, not at all. Like, not absolutely yeah. 100% invalidating, damn near trying to use science to invalidate it, blah, 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 even though, like I said, I've always acknowledged how things can be. It's like, I will always, like, I already know that science backs up pretty much everything in regards to, like, LGBTQ+, and even polyamory and non-monogamy, but yeah. it's like, God, it's like, it's already there, man. It's like, how could you not sit there and believe that people's brains, like, everybody's, like, bodies or brains are wired differently? Like, there are people who I believe are just, I believe there are people who are wired to be monogamous as much as they're wired to be polyamorous and non-monogamous. It's just the fact that you created such a toxic environment for one demographic to not even be able to exist properly. And now we're finally kind of snapping out of it and coming out of it. And it's like, don't get mad at us if we want to start trying to like really completely deconstruct all of this stuff for you. Because at the end of the day, what they did to all of this, it affects everybody. It affects every single person. It is ugly. It is evil. It is with malicious intent. And it's, it's in, and it's more in detriment to, you know, our people, indigenous people, black people, so on and so forth. You know, it's, it was first and foremost for that reason, because they knew, they knew how powerful we were. They knew <laughs> what we could be. And and now it's like, we're in this space right now more than ever to really take, just take it all back, you know, really in, in the most defiant sense. And that's what makes me more so excited for like this upcoming year with my new album and, and everything that I have sort of planned out, mapped out. It's like, it's going to get crazier, <laughs> but that's the, yeah, it's like, you yeah. have to be able to, you know, live in defiance of a world that was always so anti you, you know, you have to yeah. you know, be there and, and, and at the same time form that sense of community because the, the reality that everyone never, you know, like I said, we say it all the time, but I feel like no one ever fully does really accept it is that you're not the only one. You're not the only one yeah. that feels the way you do, that sees things the way you do. And like I said, any, any, anyone within the spectrum of whether you are polyamorous or non-monogamous listening to this, or whether you're just trying to be an understanding person is that you're never alone in regards to these dynamics. There are people here obviously working to change things constantly and, you know, more and more of this positivity and love is just destined to be wrapped around us, you know, (laughs) who we are. And I, I only want to be that contributor to that, you know what I mean? To give authentic, give real. And, and I, I just, more than anything, I just want to be so real. You know what I mean? Like I, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. because like, it's, you know, <laughs> I don't even, this is probably kind of interesting to say, but so I've been, had my experiences with women, but I like, <laughs> I kind of just lost my, <laughs> I kind of just lost my beat card when it comes to men. I think it's kind of the weirdest, weirdest cadence because I'm like, this whole process is so unique for me. Congratulations. That I'm like bringing it up once again. It's like this whole entire, like I said, attitude in regards to, 
you know, in regards to like polyamory or non-monogamy and even obviously still around LGBTQ plus stuff. It's like, gosh, even like, like I said, like South Dakota is such a hard place to be in. Like if you're any of these demographics, like it's just, you know what I mean? And it's like, I, this, you know, like this man is like, you know, it's a pretty similar cadence, very much like jock type kind of guy, whatever. And very, he's, he's giving very closeted bisexual, but it's like, you know, it's whatever, but it's, it's that kind of reoccurring theme that I feel like I'm always constantly like dealing with. It's like, I'm glad that, like, I knew this for a long time and it's the same thing with polyamory. It's like, I knew this for a long time and it's like, damn, like I, I just want to create like all anymore. It's like, I just want to live free now and then just give more people that opportunity to be able to experience everything that they want whenever they want, you know? And it's like, I know damn well that I wanted this a long time ago. Like, you know, I know damn well. It's like, and I, it's like, it's sad to know that, that because of dealing with such, dealing with this anti vibe towards all, all the Amory, it's like, it's like, damn, it's like this, that, that perpetual sense of like heartbreak because, you were sent, you know, in some way, shape or form rejected for that. You know what I mean? It's like me, yeah. it's still a thing where like, you know, cause I include that I'm polyamorous in like my dating stuff or whatever. And the idea that I could even be like rejected solely for that is such a weird cadence. And I think a big thing that I want to see change dramatically is like that deal breaker mentality around polyamorous individuals where it's like, because I mm-hmm. am not going to be monogamous. And I, I pretty much tell people that inevitably that like, that's a deal breaker for somebody. It's like, I, I think that, that inevitably it's like, when I think of women, it's like, I can still be everything that you want. It's just the only slight difference is that I just am polyamorous. I don't, you know, like <laughs> I can give you everything. I can give you the whole nine yards. It just depends on whether you can do that. And that's okay. If you can't, but at the same time, if we can, you know, progress to a point where that's not a deal breaker, like I just said, that's going to be a lot. It's just inevitably going to be a lot healthier than anything else, because I think that especially in regards to polyamory, you're like forced to confront a lot of the emotional issues. I think that you just end up really addressing a lot of those insecurities and addressing, you know, needed or and or boundaries that can come down or something like you learn more and more about yourself because not it's I mean like I said once again it's a real benefit it's like when you actually you know see especially women but you actually like view your partners as like these very valid nuanced people then you can kind of get to like the root of various issues much quicker you know and then yeah and having those more perspectives in regards to everything it's just like it gives you really a lot more room to develop your sense of self like and it's just goes back to like how that how much it is more disappointing with all that representation it's like there it's like you have you didn't even show the ones that could be gorgeous or that are gorgeous and that have gotten so many things going for themselves because of the fact that they live in this dynamic and they're communicating and they're being real and and it's like the potential that is there that I think never gets fully tapped in because everyone's just constantly kind of invalidating this experience and trying to write it off quickly because it's hard, you know, like that kind of. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) 
toxic monogamous culture has definitely set it up so that we do not fully put in the work for a lot of things. And so I was talking about this where it's like, you know, when you're in a monogamous partnership with someone, you're not going to break up at the first sign of trouble, mm-hmm. right? You're like, okay, we got to work this out. Especially when you live together, you share finances, you share a family, whatever. You're going to do the thing. And people just don't view polyamory with that same seriousness. And then when we talk about representation on media, it's just monogamy 2.0. Mm-hmm. They just show you a trailer. They're like, what is this? This is, is this exactly what you guys want, right. right? It's like, it's the same, it's the same picture. Just like, I don't know if you've seen those memes, like the answer is like no or no in pink, like close triads or different. <laughs> yeah. same thing. It's the same thing. Exactly. exactly. And, and so oh. we're just trying to step away from that kind of culture. Mm-hmm. And the whole relationship escalator idea as well. It's like, why do we have to be, you know, dating, mm. you know, living together, engaged, married, kids, you know, why does it have to follow that? Yeah. Okay, why can't we just let relationships be what they exactly. are? And why does it have to be kitchen table? Why does it have to be parallel? Why can't we just ultimately decide what kind of interaction and relationships we want with ourselves? But that only comes from the very deep, meaningful work of knowing exactly what you want and what you are capable of giving to other people is very necessary to have a fulfilling polyamorous exactly. lifestyle because otherwise you're up shit. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise it's just the same. It's, it's, it becomes like the same shit that you deal with, with, with monogamy. You know what I mean? It's like, but, and it's, it's a reflection yeah. of how they set it up, you know? And it's like, Oh gosh, there's just too many things that obviously the, where the patriarchy just ruins all of it. And it's like from mm-hmm. the, the, obviously what we already talked about, the unicorn hunting to, the one penis policy. I literally flat out, I'm to a point where now that I'm obviously more comfortable, I feel like now I'll be more prone to mention that during performances. It's like, if I talk about being polyamorous and suddenly men get any ideas, I'm like, mm, you can stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> See women as fully valid and autonomous thinking, breathing people that deserve rights and deserve to be properly respected and acknowledged before you do any of this crap. Because it's like, at the end of the day, like the hardest thing is when we deal with this world, it's like, that definitive dynamic where um like i've had to accept that you know my my mom and my aunt were you know they're troubled they're troubled women you know i mean they grew up in they're they're all indigenous lakota women full blood lakota women um that were adopted away from their people and the nuance of everything they dealt with it it i i get it regardless like it's like it sucks that i didn't have like the best mom you know, it sucks that I didn't even have necessarily my best aunt, because they're twins. They're both my mom and my aunt, they're twins. And, and, but I grew up with them and it's, it, it was hard to like, you know, to some degree have that mm-hmm. sense of like internalized misogyny because of like how my mother was. And mm-hmm. so I, I kind of had these predetermined mindsets like around women. And it's like seeing how, like, how I obviously wasn't like this, but I grew up even watching, you know, my oldest brother. A, a, an aggressively toxic masculine, you know, man, whatever, all the generic stuff that men are into, you know, he was abusive to my grandmother. And it's like, I, I feel like I just constantly witnessed like every, like I just witnessed at every turn what women go through, but then like how much it sucks mm-hmm. when they are toxic, when they are this, it's like, it, it's hard. It's like, I understand why, why women are, are when they are a mess or when they are this, but it's like, it's more insane and incredibly gaslighting when it doesn't take into, take into consideration everything that women deal with on a day-to-day basis. And 
Yeah. And then how that plays into their love lives and how that would play into whether they're into monogamy or polyamory. And it's like, it just, if more than anything, it just made me pay attention more than ever. And it's like, I, I wanted to make this, that direct correlation in my artistry, you know, within Yamni, it was like, I wanted to really full on show everything. It's like, yeah, it can be pretty raunchy or sexual, but there's a lot of pure in divine energy, especially when it pertains to our women that I hold, especially when I'm in these, like if I was in a triad or if I ever end up in a quad fully, it's like women are held in a certain regard to me. And it's both, and it's just in the regard that my ancestors did it, you know, where they're, they're given that space. They're given that, that cadence to be everything they are. They're not weighed down by me. You know, they're not weighed down by like where I've seen that prettily oh it's like it's, in indian country it's it's a lot worse than people want to talk about of how much how much suppression there really is for our women and i'm hoping that more dialogue can be really had around that because i've seen a lot of women never really i guess blossom fully because they were held down by a jealous controlling man and it's usually one of those yeah. one of those really presentable couples too like socially presentable and then it kind of like later on the line maybe they finally split and you realize how you know she ends up talking about how how messed up he was and it's it's really sad it's really heartbreaking to see that and i'm hoping that obviously with you know presences like mine and hopefully a lot of other things that more of that stuff can just come to an end and that more men will take that initiative you know and especially now like that was what now like (laughs) relaying back to like even what axel was about that was the same cadence i wanted to sing about the complications or the dilemmas around men and, and the toxic environments that they had made for themselves and what they did to everybody else that <laughs> wasn't cis yeah. monogamous or whatever. And, and it's something that it's just, it's a process, you know what I mean? Inevitably it's going to be this thing that certain people are going to have to let, you know, things fall to the side, whatever egos, blah, 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 because it's like, want to live in a perpetual state of healing. I, I want to be healed and I want to be, but I feel like that will inevitably come from, our communities ultimately getting really it's like it's the worst part about all of it is is just getting back to how we used to think like we were already at this place before and now we're just getting back to it you know what i mean like of remembering everything that we truly viewed and everything that we truly felt without the ramifications of colonization hitting us at every you know corner but now you know the thing that i i am more than happy about is just seeing such like it's there you know what i mean the 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 wind of change is just there and more and more understanding more and more love is being put into this world and i think even more so i guess obviously (laughs) with the ramifications of the a lot of people are really feeling all of this and seeing all of it and there's a lot of people i'm really excited about obviously shout out to anti-mononormative i love her so much she's literally incredible and i'm glad that she's starting to get that uptick too you know we have yes, we have some yes she's wonderful mm, we have some really cool stuff planned uh they, she they, yeah they're amazing and you know and it's like i want to see that i'm like i am ready for you to take this over <laughs> as a as indigenous, yeah. indigenous Leon woman <laughs> like the coming to the frame because I, I like I, even now it's like yeah i i want to see more of our you know our BIPOC representation in regards to this, because they've always been there and they'll always continue to be there, you know, and they'll always continue to be the more nuanced voice than, than the white poly, you know, it's how it's, it's how it was designed, you know? And so it's like, 
now it's just fully stepping into frame and being here and being present regardless of whatever people have to say you know the same rhetoric pretty much you know like i it's weird because it's like when i think of whenever i hear like conservative tiktok exist (laughs) whenever i hear that side exist it's it's weird when it's like the same regurgitated thing over and over and over again and then they get debunked over and over again but they still will say the same things even though they've already been debunked listen it's like if it looks like a duck if it walks like a duck if it quacks like a duck don't tell me it's a squirrel, <laughs> IG, because it's like, I, I feel like we're not on the same page yeah, here. Yeah. At least tell me it's like a mockingbird. Like, at least tell me something different. But don't tell me that it's a, a whole separate mm. thing. They will always be debunked. It's so funny you brought up anti-modernormative because I want, she posted something the other day that I want your mm-hmm. opinion on. Uh, it's a post about anti-colonial reasons to stop using the terms ethical and consensual non-monogamy. I don't know if you yeah. saw that mm-hmm. post. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely something I have never thought of in this way before. And of course, I'm going to link it in the show notes. And, you know, he pretty much describes what ethical and consensual non-monogamy is and says that despite the good intentions behind the popularization of these terms, there are still harmful colonial implications that come with explicitly framing general non-monogamous practices as ethical or consensual. And it's, again, this is something I have never thought of in this particular Mm -hmm. way. And reason one is that, you know, the use of the term E&M or ethical non-monogamy implies that non-monogamy is inherently unethical mm-hmm. and that you have to, and for non-monogamy originally practiced by indigenous people have been historically seen as primitive or savage or uncivil. Mm-hmm. And language that frames non-monogamy as inherently unethical perpetuates the same colonial mindset to justify the valid imposition, imposition of modern normativity on indigenous mm-hmm. people. And I was like, damn, I ain't never thought about it like right, that. Right. It's <laughs> so real. I mean, I had seen that discourse and then it's like her yeah. parlay it, I think, even more. I, it, it's it's actively what it actually really is happening when it comes to people who are using, still using, you know, because like I said, there's still people using those terminologies. And it's it's very much like it is real. You know what I mean? The actual practice of non-monogamy has, has nothing to do, you know, the, the ethics are already there because you're already engaging with people that are there for it. And it's, then it's like, then it's weird. It gives off very, like, they're kind of like, they're framing it from the mindset of a, a monogamous person, you know, with the, the cheating, oh, it's cheating or, oh, it's, yes, uh, exactly. and then they're also, what's even word Cause like when I hear consensual, it just, they make it, they give it very R, you know, R wordy, that kind of essay. It's like, like, I'm like, yeah. that is disgusting. Yeah. That is like, that is the first thing that I would think when you say consensual non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy. I'm like, that, like that in itself is anti-Indigenous. Like yeah, that in itself is just ugly. And it's, it's something actually yeah. that, that like definitively just needs to be like stricken from, you know, people's word, you know, verbiage. Because vocabulary is everything. The way you're wording things is everything. And what you're implying with ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy is that 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 basically, in a, in a nutshell, any form of non-monogamy somehow is happening with the, the you know without the discretion of you know I guess the primary or who whatever like it's it's basically still putting and framing monogamy as the only sort of valid approach to love, and we obviously know that's just not that's not reality, and it never has been. It's literally just a product of you know basical you know literal delusions 
you know, propped up by literally an institution that like desperately needs to keep this in place so that it can kind of keep this sort of conveyor belt existence that comes with capitalism. And a good, a good way to do that is keep people stuck and trapped in monogamous situations. Of course, make sure that they end up cranking out some babies so they have to tend to those babies and no matter what, succumb, continue to keep things as they are, basically, continue to keep status yeah. quo, you know? So it's, that's, that's really messed up that the idea that like, you could, it's like in a messed up way, you almost ethically can't, like, you almost ethically can't be like straight anymore because of how messed up they made it. Or you can't like ethically be monogamous to some degree. Like it's weird, but it's like, cause there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with if you are anything under the cishet mononormative white patriarchy. If you're any of these things, white, a man, cis, straight, monogamous. There's nothing inherently wrong with it, but it's the way we're socialized. It's the way you are treating those that don't fit those demographics. It's a multitude of other things that come into play that inherently harm everybody involved. So this is 100% about not only, because it's not even in regards to just me decolonizing as an indigenous person. It's also you. It's also everybody. You know, I, I I truly believe that we all do come from cultures and languages inevitably that at one point had fully accepted these things. These were things that had happened. They they weren't signs of, they were actually signs of our own awareness of of what we knew about the human experience and how nuanced it always was, you know, especially prior to colonization and, and how much room people had to live authentically, especially amongst their own people. You know, it, it's just such a crazy sort of paradigm to be in to see how everything transgressed. And now, you know, here we're at, here we are, like, we're, we're in this place right now to see things dramatically change for the better. And that's what I feel like I've been trying to push for because I've had my moments and, and you know, once again, anti-mononormative, she had put up a, a cadence, you know, or a post about, you know, the the perpetual sense of heartbreak she feels in regards to you know, growing up in a world that is just so aggressively anti-polyamory, anti-non-monogamy. And so sometimes it feels like, especially when you are that, that love is not as attainable. You know, it gives you this weird sense of like hopelessness because you present that you're polyamorous, somebody will turn you down for it. Or present that, you know, you talk about it and you're going to have somebody that, you know, just completely invalidates the experience as a whole. And... Once again, it's like, it's hard. Like for me, one thing that I think that is so kind of complicated in my own experience, and it makes me wonder, maybe that's why, but it's like, I always found it easier sometimes to have lovers than friends, you know, only because I think that there's a lot of things that even how, obviously how love and relationships have played down and how that hits our friendships, even in our platonic relationships. I have found that a lot of the times, I kind of, I don't know, I feel kind of suffocated in certain situations. And I I feel more liberated when it comes to having lovers. I feel like I'm having, at the same time, like at the same time of having lovers, I'm also having the friends that sometimes I feel like it's hard to have in this kind of space or this world sometimes, you know, especially in pertinence to those who I'm intimately close with, you know, I have found that it, it's much easier to keep people in that way. And so it's like, then it's like, then that once again, dealing with that, that anti-poly stuff, it's like, damn, you know, it's, I'm still not like, it's, it's really difficult being obviously in a situation where you're like, especially in my cadence of like being with a woman and she's not already 
Like, she's not like really, like, she just wants to be with me, whatever, blah, 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 like that. That was ultimately like the worst, most uncomfortable thing in the world to me. Like when it came to women, it was like, oof, I don't want to, I don't want to do this generic monogamous situation. I don't want to like, cause I know that like, that's not all I want. And I know that's like, I, you know, it's, and it's like, that's really sad to have to give that cadence to like people where, you know, there's like something else going on and you can't really say anything. Like You can't really be sincere about your own feelings or emotions and really, you know, divulge into it yeah. because people have made, people have created their own emotional circumstances around love to be so sensitive, you know, like, you know, the previous kind of one of my previous like guys that I was like involved with, you know, it was kind of that same thing. You know, he was in like a failing marriage and pretty, he maybe still is. I don't know. But the mindset was like, he it felt like he wanted to like leave her to be with me. And he knew that I, I, you know, I came out to him, you know, it was like, this was about 2019 out of 2019. I was just on the front page of Native Hoop magazine. And that's when I, I kind of just put it in there. I, in my article, I came out publicly. And I remember hearing his reaction to that and how much that like really deterred him away from me in a lot of different ways when I had acknowledged that. And it was so crazy to think like, it's, it's such a crazy cadence to think about, but it's like, damn, how perpetually like weird or heartbreaking that is, you know, especially it's like wanting to have certain things in place and wanting to have every piece of what you feel like is your love story. And it's like, it's kind of hard because I feel like I don't even want to sit there and be like, you know, say to, you know, to men I'm involved with, like, to be like, well, at least you're the only guy. Cause I don't see any other guys. I was like, I mean, that is how I feel, but it's like, it's annoying that I have to like kind of emphasize this certain cadence and say like, well, I want women and we can like, I feel like I have to like really like ram home, like how, <laughs> how this man's going to benefit from this situation. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to do that. That's gross. <laughs> That's like weird. Yeah. And, and, but it's also like sad to me where it's like, we're, with the state of how men have been socialized, that it's so incredibly ugly. And, you know, obviously being involved with this man that for all intents and purposes presented that he's closeted, that he's this, this, and this, and that he's even been in poly situations, but he had his heart broke because the women left him. Like, it's a lot of things that like, maybe, maybe this is red flags for me. Yeah, I mean, those kind of look like red yeah, banners. I know, those are banners. Those are banners. <laughs> like, you know, like when you run to the finish line in a race, those were the big red lines in front of you. Like, like mm-hmm. you, you break them. You don't like, you know, you don't stay in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I was, I was, I was pretty content. Like, I, I, like, I, I wrote a record about him, you know, like, you know, I still love and care about him, but like, I wrote a song and it was just, I don't know. It was just, I, I'm glad that that situation ended. I'm glad that certain other situations didn't pan out because at the end of the day, here I am, here I am being able to live more freely, authentic and, you know, find, find ways to, I don't know. I I think a big thing that I'm trying to figure out right now is I really want to be full-time with music and I really want this, this, and this. I want TikTok to be, you know, I'm glad that I am where I'm at right now. You know, I have a lot of room for just blowing up right now, but I'm just trying to figure out what's next. What do I do? How do I keep people engaged? How do I gain more people? etc how do i get my more of my music out there just in general because even having like that's the thing about tiktok that makes it so interesting is even having like i'm at uh almost 4700 followers on there and it's like 
I could possibly be more than like more well known because of the modern warrior push to the use of my music and how much it's been somewhat pushed out there already. It's like I could be somewhat of a more known figure than a lot of other people with higher follower counts and stuff like that. And that part of me is so sentimental to me, especially in regards to the fact that my main song that has the most attention on it is a polyamorous love song. And the next song at the same time is also the same thing. It's like, that's so cool. Like that's really nutty that I'm creating that space for, you know, polyamory to be kind of seen and heard in such a way. But like I said, I'm always just kind of like, ugh, men. Cause then I just get the, like, I'll, I'll have those like random men that just like, I don't know. It's not like they're trying to like entertain it, but they're just like really like, I don't know, into it. And I'm like, I don't know. This still feels weird. I was like, this, like I don't know. I'm like, and maybe it's okay. Cause you're cute, but like, still like, I'm like, I don't want this to become like a DM where it's like, you know, <laughs> like, so me and my wife think you're very cute. And <laughs> oh yeah like that weird couple at the bar that just like they've been watching you all night they've been buying you drinks and then they come over and like hey you know like you know my 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 wife and i are just wondering yeah, just if you'd like to go for a nightcap at our <laughs> like, i know it's so fun and that's the thing and i think that comes with like oh i got long hair and i guess i'm kind of cute or whatever like i'll have that same i feel like i'll go through what bi women go through like full of the fact that i could like be pretty pretty enough to pass but it's like it's such a weird cadence to even be in those situations like god that's so strange like but it's weird mm -hmm. it's always it's always the most random couple pairing too because they send that they send the hottest person Mm -hmm. forward always on purpose right and this is not degrading people's looks or whatever it's just objectively aesthetically pleasing according to white you know supremacy heteronormative mm-hmm. athletes, right so they, they usually send the wife because like she's hot she's fun it's like oh my god hey like you're so cool let's buy drinks da, 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 da. and she's chanting you up she's doing the mm-hmm. thing and then it's like oh this is my husband gary uh-huh. there's no one named gary guys it's just gary's a fake uh-huh. gary and then gary comes over you're like okay so what are you doing over here with me and she's like well gary and i noticed you earlier and we think <laughs> that it would be great for us to keep hanging out and you just sit there like, oh. I would have clocked out right at we think. I was like, oh, I know. Yeah. It's- Once you say we, it's over. It's mm-hmm. over. It's mm-hmm. over. So we we know the best way not to pick you up. So how are you living and loving right now? What is your current polycule situation, if you don't mind sharing? Right now, I would say, because like I mean, there's a lot of lenient, like I said, like I... I'm not even, like, mad at the whole construct of, like, oh, polyamory is, like, single, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Because in a way, you kind of still are. I mean, obviously, it's just with different parameters because you do already have committed relationships. You know what you can personally handle. And I was, like, at the... My mindset was, like, you know, even if, like, I guess that three wifeys and a hubby dynamic couldn't exist, you know, just 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 for reference, like, every... every like, the, like the, all these characters in my story are all based on, like, real people women and like you know particularly a guy in my life you know for me right now it's I'm kind of just in the place of like trying to decide of whether certain relationships are going to be the cadence of like fully pursuing I'm still involved with the woman that my project Yomni is about and we we're, we're in a different place she has a few different partners and I I just have like you know maybe potential guys and that's kind of my my space and I've also been trying to get into this full cadence of being fully 
familiar, you know, letting myself experience and feel everything, I guess, both the women I want to the men I want. And, and it's still mm-hmm. a lot of that nuance, but I would say at least just, I think like two, like it would just be like a woman and kind of a guy that's sort of like a, you know, maybe I, it's like I said, men are, men are what they are. It's like, you know, that, <laughs> you know, that more, you know, yeah, that more than it. me even. And, but like, you know, it, it's, it's a process, I think. And, and I've also been trying to learn how to navigate, I think just the, the sexuality aspects of everything too. And, and fully, I don't know. It was, like I said, it was like the idea that I even, <laughs> the, the fact that I disclosed that I got my V guard taken from a guy, <laughs> from my first time with a guy that I said that on, I said that on the monogamous pod and I think that's so fun, but yeah, I mean, yeah, right now it's, it's, it's just a, it's the building place, you know, it's kind of weird because with, you know, with this girl, you know, I'll just say her name's Yamni. Like for, you know, with, with Yamni, she is very much my lane and very much my vibe. It was kind of weird with how I kind of felt about her. And I don't know if you've ever felt this impertinence to your own situations, but it was like, damn, you know, cause what's more common for her is that she's very, very comfortable with like those dynamics when like a couple approaches her, et cetera. She's had a lot of that happen. And she even ended up in a dynamic and she was in a dynamic where oh. the guy ended up leaving that other girl for her. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And so she's had really more so, but at the same time, she's also had very much, she, she kind of ebbs and flows between those group poly situations to solo poly. That's kind mm-hmm. of her. And I, always thought she would be the perfect third girl. Like, that's how I always thought. That's such a weird cadence. It's such a weird thing to, like, think in my head. It's like, I was like, okay, wait, that just sounds so weird. But it's also, like, I feel like there are people that sometimes are more suitable to come into relationships at certain periods. Like, as far as I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. I feel like she would be, we would be more compatible after, I guess, I've met either you know, another girl or two other girls, whatever. If I developed like a triad, like she would be perfect because she really knows, she really feels what, like what she wants in those situations. If she ever is invited into it, she's had like enough of those experiences. And all the main thing is always usually just that trust and communication. Obviously that's like intertwined, especially with those who are, who take themselves seriously when they're polyamorous, you know, and you start to really kind of look at that nuance and look at that feeling. But that's, that's what I thought was like one of the more interesting situations. Like, you know, me and me and her, have been like really inseparable and we've kind of been really dissecting, you know, she even actually appears on the, on the album too. As oh, yeah, okay. yeah. It's like really like, you know, she's very much intertwined. We're in an interesting place. I think now more than ever, because she's so like, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do like, she's very much, I don't know. She's just very, very open. I, and that energy is what, I feel like she was inevitably what actually helped me like come out and, you know, accept mm-hmm. my sense of self. Cause I, yeah, it was, especially when we initially had a, like a try to start our relationship, it was more so like, I just really like, I, you know, I hadn't gotten to my, my current apartment now and I was just still struggling with things. Obviously I, once again, I just hadn't fully accepted everything. And now it's like, Oh wow. I can fully kind of dive into this dynamic and, and, you know, Right now, we're just kind of feeling where things go. And, you know, she kind of has her, she currently has her nesting dynamic kind of situated for the time being, but she doesn't, 
she's a very, very interesting and complex Lakota woman. And, and so, you know, and I think that kind of comes with it. I think that inevitably those who I think realize they're polyamorous, it was just like, I don't know, you're, you're going to get a whole different kind of brand of people, especially those who are very cognitive and very aware of a lot of the, like the social issues that kind of come into this realm. And when you start to really embrace this and like, you feel it all, obviously you feel weight of everything, mm-hmm. I guess, like, and the effects of cishet mononormativity, you know, and it's like, we're both pretty fluid beings as a whole when it comes down to it, you know, especially even in regards to how she experiences her gender as well. And, you know, it, it's definitely, it's a learning problem. It's an absolute learning curve in, in a nutshell, you know, but I, I've never felt more proactive towards it. I've never felt more like just real. And I've never felt like, I always kind of imagined that maybe that that's how it was going to be that like, Oh, I was going to have the group dynamics with women. And then I was going to have my boyfriend to the side that, you know, that's just outside of the dynamic. But now more than ever, I've really gotten comfortable with the whole construct of like solo poly. And I've been told, I mean, obviously, I mean, you've heard probably the same discourse where usually that's probably actually a lot better than group dynamics. That's usually like the main Mm -hmm. representation. There's almost, there's literally no representation of like solo poly damn near. Um, no there isn't it's unicorns yeah yeah unicorns are nothing (laughs) you know whether like it's like no sincere group poly no really none absolute zero fucking solo and that's like even like that's like to me like that's one of the most i i it's like kind of hard thing for me to process i I can see it being easier because once again it's separate people separate relationships that are like you know no group dynamics i'm like but I'm like, that to me could be something that could be like a plot of an interesting show. Like you could have like a naturally just solo poly, whoever be in the world and then navigate that experience as a whole. Like, I feel like that would be something so interesting. Like sometimes I think it would be more interesting than group dynamics, to be honest. Like I was like, I, I, I've come across them, obviously, like those who are solo poly and it's like, damn, you bad. Like, you, I, 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 I was like, oh, you know, so like, and I was like, hmm, maybe I do need to entertain this as a poss- like as a thing or as like a possibility. But for now, it's like I just see. I mean, it's like now more than ever, it's just I don't know. Like I, I'm glad that th- like shit, you know, the things are just like transgressing in such a a beautiful kind of path, you know, in a beautiful path forward. No matter, you know, the digressive conservatives that like to try to, you know, like the Texas abortion thing to a multitude of other things yeah it's you know it's it's hard when you know inevitably we're gonna see that we're gonna see the kickback you know what i mean we're going to see this motion to maintain the status quo you know to continue really just gain for the few and the rest are screwed basically yeah that's what we're trying Mm -hmm. to have happen to us i'm sorry We said it here. Fuck white yes, supremacy. Yes, yes. We're not about that. Like, and and fuck any, I mean, low key, fuck anybody benefiting from it. Anybody that's trying to maintain this shit, like anything. Yeah. Because the hardest thing that I think a lot of people deal with when it comes to these, the social infrastructures is that the weirdest thing is that everybody can benefit off of it. But the problem is, is that inevitably, no matter what, you get to a certain point of money, there is no way you could have that kind of money without hurting and exploiting people without stepping on people. There's no way. Like people say, it's not ethical to be a billionaire. Damn near, you couldn't even be really a millionaire. It's not even ethical to almost be that. Like no, it's can't. not like it, it, 
like the the only path forward is getting to even like what was like the implications of I guess the time period. Once again, obviously there's still craziness, but what Dwight Eisenhower did in regards to that whole he like taxed the rich ninety percent and like the middle class was really booming. If anything, if we're even going to maintain the current structures as they are, bare minimum, it needs to have that mechanism in place so that people have the room to live comfortable, healthy lives, to be able to just live and be here and enjoy themselves and so on and so forth. I mean, it's if we're like I said, if we're still going to deal with this, we have to still manage to fucking push things to a place where we're not climate change to species. And listen, we are. The world is fucked right now. I know it. I know it. But you know what? I want to end on a positive note. I want us to just be hopeful. Let's be hopeful. Like, let us... We are actively working to disband these structures. And I think that, of course, I can't speak for Indigenous people because I am not one of them. But for sure, that is why I want to highlight Black and Brown and non-white polyamorous voices that highlight those in the community because I feel like once you start listening to the people who are severely disenfranchised and actively because we're not the only ones disenfranchised right like white women are also harmed in this thing just because they're white yes they are protected from some things but they are women so they are mm-hmm. still harmed like I we, we need to start protecting the people who are most at risk most disenfranchised and just I don't want to say get back to our roots but also get back to our mm-hmm. roots <laughs> community development and what we actively want to see and take care of each other in this Mm -hmm. world and i think that's it like let people be who they are within reason obviously we don't want Mm -hmm. you know horrible people running around the place but let's let our communities thrive the way they were meant to and not under the weight of white supremacy and toxic Mm -hmm. monogamy and that's my vaguely sensible. No, it's to a T, you know, inevitably we know what we know what I feel like inevitably we know the direction things need to take. And the only thing that we can do is continue to push things that direction. We can only continue to snap people out of the colonial paradigm that we're, we're all suffering under in some capacity and, and to shape things in a way that, that is more loving and nurturing and, and, and just more open and more honest and more real. And, um, especially for our babies, you know, we're, we're over the paradigm of living a lie, you know, in every way, every yeah. way, shape or form, not just being closeted, whether, you know, closeted LGBTQ plus or closeted polyamorous, it, it, it comes with so much more than that, you know, and the more of us that are coming into lights and coming into form and, and respecting ourselves and loving ourselves enough to stick up for ourselves, you know, we'll only see more of the beauty. We'll only, we'll be able to give our future generations that the ability to experience this world better than, you know, we did, you know, so on and so forth, but still also make beautiful experiences even while we're here, you know, for as long as I'm here, I'm here to be a, that beacon of change. I'm here to be a part of that. I'm here to be, hopefully I would, you know, I would love to just go mainstream and obviously be the the biggest, one of the biggest beacons, you know, but at the end of the day, we need as many of our people, as many people as a whole, you know, in this, in this struggle, in this, well, in this, this fight against all this stuff. And, you know, for anyone listening, know that you are appreciated and loved that, you know, you are here and present and, and willing to hear, 
these very, you know, for some people, like I said, for some people, it'll be like, kind of like, whoa, <laughs> you know, but that's the point. That's the point, you know, because these things have always been here. Who we are is like always been here and it will continue to, and all we can do is foster better places, foster better spaces and more love, 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 love. It's always boiling down to love. Yes. Leading with mm-hmm. love. That is a thing. So Wanli, thank you so much for joining me today. Why don't you tell people where they can find you? Plug, plug everything. Tell them where they can find you. So the most common thing is is at Wombly Chea, which is W-A-N-B-L-I-C-E-Y-A, um, all lowercase. You can find me on TikTok, on Facebook. My Instagram's a little different, but you will see it if you just type in Wombly Chea, but it's Wombly Chea 9. I, my music as an artist under my name, Juke, Uppercase J-U-Q is on all streaming platforms. I'm on YouTube. I'm literally just on everything. And uh, yeah, I have a lot more stuff planned within this coming year with my debut album next year to TikTok and just kind of expanding things. And, and, you know, I'll be dropping, releasing my website. I'll be having a lot more stuff for you guys. So I, you know, just feel free to look up anything, look up everything. Let me know that you heard me from Monogamish Pod if you do and so on and so forth. But yeah, yeah, I'm everywhere. So, and I will be even more everywhere very, very soon. So yes, yes, of course. And I'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes, like I said. So once again, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll be seeing you again next time. Sounds good. Once again, I'd love to thank Wombly for joining me on today's podcast. You can find all of the links to where to find Wombly and his music under the name Juke in our detailed show notes at monogamishpod.com. You can also listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts or watch it on our YouTube channel. Just search for Monogamish Pod on YouTube and there I will be. You can find us on social media at Monogamish Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Patreon where you can get the tons of blooper clips that I made in its intro and outro. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Monogamish Pod. There are tons of other places you can find us. You can support us in our merch shop, monogamishpod.threadless.com. You can just support me by sharing these podcast episodes with your friends and your family, writing reviews on Apple Podcasts, five stars if you please. And yeah, you can find me personally at Have You Met Jen on Twitter and Instagram and on my website. And yeah, I think that's all I have for you today. To catch you back here in two weeks for a very vigorous discussion about hierarchy with our special guest. Can't wait to talk to you then. XOXO. Bye, guys.